Blog Talk Radio. This is all is about all wine. Function dedicated to the wine industry since 2009, featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert Ron. Ron. Basically, what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly from coast to coast. Well, hang on. My video's not showing. Oh, sorry. Hang on. Let me try this again. Uh, your show will go live in three, two, one. Boop. Blog Talk Radio. Oh, there it goes. Oh, my gosh. This is All About Wine, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009. Featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Basically, what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Post your questions and comments during the live show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash all about wine btr and now all about wine is here's yeah there we go all right we are on again yeah I was hearing the audio. The video was playing on my local, but it wasn't going out. It happened to me uh, about an hour ago when I did a test, you know, make sure the video settings are are good. And uh, I ran the video, couldn't see it, could hear it. And uh, so I stopped it, started again, and then I could see it and hear it. So (laughs) it's just sometimes, I don't know. It must be be a blog talk radio thing. It probably is, Um, you know. We so, have uh, issues with them. We've had issues with them over the years, and so yeah. So, um, but we, we were supposed to have a guest show. tonight, Anna Diago yep. Draper. Uh, well, she's she has her own brand. She she is from uh, Kofi Hill Vineyards, Sonoma Valley, and that is. Her wine, and that's it's her brand. Her and her husband's, and uh, uh, she distributes through Naked Wine, which is uh, a uh, uh, well. Naked Wine actually promotes wines from, and so uh, she is one of uh, many that go through them. Uh, a lot of women through Naked Wine, too. The, oh, I think that might be her calling in right now, too. I see her sitting in the green room, and she can probably explain to us more about what Naked Wine is and everything else than me sitting there trying to bumble around. So we will go ahead and bring her on. Hello, Anna. Welcome to All About Wine. Thank you so much for having me. excited. No, it is our pleasure, believe me. Uh, but I, I was just bumbling around here trying to explain the concept of naked wine. 
And since you are a member, I guess, of the uh, Enacted Y, maybe you can explain to us what it is and what it's all about. So, um, I'm a winemaker that's um, making wine for the wine. The largest. Wait a minute, and you're breaking up here. Uh, Mike, are you getting clear video of her, or is she breaking up for you also? Uh, no audio. It's in and out uh, really bad. Yeah, same thing here. It's, it's, I'm not getting uh, – we're hearing about half of what you're saying. Uh, yeah. Would you mind hanging up and trying to call us again? Uh, for some reason, it's a very poor connection right now. Again. Thank you. Oh, try that. Oh wow. Hmm. Yeah, it was yeah, just it was... It, uh, crackling yeah. and breaking up, and yeah, I was only catching a very little. Of yeah, that, unfortunately. Yeah, me too. That's why I was hoping that maybe recalling. Okay, yeah, there she is again. I tried. Okay, let's see if this is any better here. Um, are you there? I'm right here. Oh, okay, good, good. Let's uh, let's see if we get a better connection here. The other connection, we you were just cutting in and out, and we could barely understand what you were saying. So, the question is, what is naked wine, and how does that work? So, naked wine. It's presently the largest DPC, direct-to-consumer winery, in the United States. And the concept is they're they going to the restaurant. It's doing it again. I, I, it's, you're fading out and in. I don't know why. We've never had this issue before with a call-in. I don't know why we're having a problem with you tonight. Uh, Better now? Uh, that was, yes. Better? Uh, yeah, we can hear you now. Just go ahead and, and you know, say a, a full sentence. Let's see if we, if it cuts Did in I and out. No, we're still losing your audio. Not sure. I, I bars here. I'm actually sitting outside to try and having better better service. Okay, now that I heard everything you said there was not... <laughs> Stay in that position, don't move. <laughs> don't stay right there. Yeah. Oh yes. <laughs> don't move. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's try it again. If you're in a good spot right now, let's try it again. Explain to us what Naked Wine is. You said it's the largest direct-to-consumer wine distributor. So the, the the goal of Naked Wines is basically to disrupt the three to make a modern Oh my God, that. The audio is cracking up again. I, I am getting so. Oh, uh, we're, we're 
not hearing a clear, clear voice from you. I don't know why this is so, but it's not coming in clear. What about now? Is it better? It, yeah, right now that was good. That was Long good. Set. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I had you on speaker, so maybe that was you can't be on speaker. That could be I was the problem. Trying to be in three. Okay, so that might be the problem. So I'm going to be oh, there, super still here. You're in a good spot. Don't move. Hold the phone okay. right here. Don't move. Hold the phone. Don't move. Perfect. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There we go. Okay. Now we've got good connection. Okay. That's uh, huh. And for some reason, that thing was not accepting the, your, your speaker on that. So, all right. Good. So let's uh. Let's try yet again. Direct okay. to consumer. Let's knock out <laughs> and kill this three-tier system, which sure. I have hated for years. So, uh, I think everyone in the business has, has, has had that because what it does to the consumer is it adds cost to the final mm-hmm. pricing. So Naked Wine's business strategy is to support independent winemakers directly through the backing of, of, of members of members. And we refer to those members as angel investors. So they pay into what you would call a savings account. And when they have enough money to buy six, eight, twelve bottles, whatever they, they wish, they can select wines made from these independent winemakers. And the wines that we make for naked wines are sold exclusively on the website. Can't oh. find these wines in distribution anywhere. But that's how we cut the middleman. So on one end, we are supported directly in a way almost crowdfunding. So these angels that pay into the business, they are the ones paying for grapes, for production costs, for barrels, for glass, bottling, everything. And then the wine is goes in directly to distribution centers that belong to Naked Wine and from there to directly to the consumers. Wow. Um, you don't need to be to be an angel to buy wines from the website, but if you are an angel, you get up to sixty percent discount as a thank you for for the support and your membership in a way. Um, and the success of it comes with the fact that you're able to find. I mean, Naked Wine supports um, winemakers from I think from about fourteen or fifteen countries around the world. Um, in the United States, presently, I think there's about um, 96 winemakers supported by, by Naked Wine. Wow. Um, and um, it's really fun. It's very different from a wine club because you can basically select a, a wide variety of wine styles and select wines from all over the world. And um, it's a great way to get into wine if um, you're just starting to find these different wine styles you like. But I think if you're also... A, a, a savored and seasoned wine consumer, you can also find a lot of different wines that will, I feel, appeal to you um, within within the website. Wow, that's uh, so that's uh, about it great, in a nutshell. <laughs> a, a great concept, a great concept. Uh, it's nakedwines.com. Uh, nakedwines.com is the website, correct? If anyone wants to, yeah. Wants and the to cool thing is, out. each bottle, each label, it really is a passion project for each winemaker and you'll find a really wide array. I mean, in the U S you have obviously California is the one that's more represented, but there's winemakers from Oregon, from Washington, from the Finger Lakes, um, from a really uh, wide array from Texas. There used to be a few, I'm not sure if there's still some 
um, and, um, and the support given to independents. I mean, I've been with them since they came to the United States in 2012. Um, and uh, I've, you know, held full-time jobs. At, I, I was director of winemaker for winery in Napa for a while, but I've always done naked wines. And presently, I'm actually 100% independent winemaker working with them because I really wanted to give that jump and feel what it would be to be to be 100% independent winemaker. And um, mm-hmm. and I'm quite enjoying the experience. This is my now, first harvest as a 100% independent winemaker. Is it really? Okay. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, that's a great concept. Of, um, uh, because, you know, again, the three-tier system is outrageous. I've dealt with that uh, when I had the winery and all, and it just, I hated it. And I think, like you said, most wine makers and most wineries do hate the three-tier system. It's... Um, Expensive. Well, it's our joke as winemakers, right? It's not hard to make the wine. It's to sell the wine that it's hard. Yeah. And oh, yeah. in, in this extent here, we know that our wines are sold online. So we focus solely on making the wines, conceptualizing the wines, working on the marketing, labeling. The wines, the, the sales part itself, we don't need to be traveling and losing all this time um, promoting the wines within distributors or sales because the wines sell directly online. So um, it is, for a winemaker, it is an incredible concept. And there's a lot of, um, for me, a lot of joy in that, that that part is out of the equation. Yeah, well, it just uh, seems like it's just, it'd be so much easier to not have to worry about that sales end of it because, well, like you say, you want to make wine. You don't want to get up there and sell. And I've talked to so many wineries over the years, and they just, hate the concept of having to go out there and spend so much time promoting their wines and uh it does take away from the love of making it i mean it really does so okay now 100 (laughs) percent. yeah now let's talk about anna a little bit here uh you uh you mentioned that you're making your own wine give me well tell us uh your story from when you decided to well, become a winemaker. Yeah, well, even before <laughs> then, I mean, I'm, I'm looking back. Sure. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Where your roots are and all that stuff. Sure, so, sure. So I was born and raised in Portugal, and I do oh, not really? come from wine. Yes, yeah, I was born in in Lisbon, and then um, raised outside of Lisbon, and studied and lived in the south um, of Portugal in the Alentejo region for about um, 10 years before I moved here. Um, so I've spent, you know, my whole family is still there. I came to the U.S. I, I, I fell into, I knew I wanted to do something related to agriculture, but I wasn't exactly sure what. And so I dabbed in different things. I loved any beekeeping, different things. And then um in my third year, we had a, a five-year degree. In my third year, I took a first winemaking class, and the professor was um, a very seasoned winemaker. He's still a really big consultant, and he has his own brand in Portugal. And so he didn't give us a very, you know, academic vision of winemaking, but a very practical one because he was a practical. <laughs> he was a winemaker <laughs> making wine. And, and I think after that class, a lot of people who attended 
we were very taken and really curious about what you know what it what it entailed and it was a bit of you know winemaking one of one kind of very global but um we got to do a little bit of everything and I was very curious, um, and then after that, I applied and I started working in the university. I studied at University of Evora in the south of Portugal, and um, I worked in the experimental cellar on and off while I was studying, helping in different projects, um, and working um, a lot with a cellar master there who had mm-hmm. been there for 30 years and was just, a, you know, had so much knowledge, and I learned a lot from him. And I worked a couple of harvests there in wineries, and then I wanted to have an international experience, and i just always been very – I had been to California once when I was a teenager on a vacation, and the U.S. always had just a lot of appeal, particularly California. So I decided to do a harvest here, and I just – I absolutely loved – I loved seeing um, the technology used that coming from Portugal, everything was much more old school. And I was also very taken by the number of um, women winemakers that I had the the luck to meet. Um, And in Portugal, it's a little, I think, more open now, but this was almost 20 years or 18 years ago uh, when I came. And um, back then, unless your family was in the industry, it was very hard for a woman to become a winemaker. You would make it into the lab position, but... To, to go all the way was really, really, it was very hard. And so I, at that point, I was debating, what do I want to do? Do I really want to fight this fight and become a winemaker? Do I want to do other things? And after that harvest here, I was, I, it just really solidified. This is what I want. What do I need to do to get it? Um, <laughs> and then after harvest, I returned to Portugal because I had to write my thesis. And then the winery where I interned, they sponsored my visa to come back and, I was very excited. I was supposed to be here for a year or two, um, and I just, I was, you know, very welcoming um, the experience. And then, um, classic story. I just I met my husband, who's American. He lives here in Sonoma County. We live here, we use from Sonoma County where we live, and mm-hmm. I never left. So uh. classic, <laughs> classic story. Um, but I really love California. Um, I actually think Sonoma County. There's a lot of similarities with Portugal um, in geography, um, even soil types. There's some soil series that are very similar. Um, but I'm actually also started in 2019 making wines from from Portugal for the for the Naked Wines project, and that's been also really fun. To now make wines from California and from Portugal for for this project. So I started, I stayed, I I was at that winery at Rutherford Hill for about six years, and then I went on to Artesa Vineyards and Winery in Carneros in Napa Valley, and I was director of winemaking there for about um, eight years and wow. until very recently when I decided to to pursue to start consulting and starting to really focus on, on, on my brand. Wow. So that's about it in a nutshell. <laughs> what, what, what a, what a story though. I mean, you've been all over and done everything and you've got yourself quite an education on that. Now let's talk about your wine. You say sure. that you're doing, you're doing, well, uh, actually I, I am enjoying a bottle of your Tempranillo right now. Uh, 
Covey Hill Vineyard in the Sonoma Valley. Oh, it's one of my favorites, that one. It, it's, it's good. It really is. It's very good. It's got <laughs> some you. rich flavors. Thank you. Just, Right amount of tannins. I just I like the tannins that are coming on it. It's not real acidic, which is which is really pleasant because the acid is balanced very well with the wine. It's not. Thank you. Uh, yeah, and it's, it's very feeling. young still. It's a 2021. It got bottled in February, so I think it's no. a wine that has a lot of ageability and needs a lot of a lot of time to to age in bottle. But it for does. naked wines, we really need we need to when we make these wines. It's different than making it for, you know, if you're making it for a very high-end winery where, you know, people will pay a lot of money for a bottle, but then they would hold on to it, right? The agent in their cellar. Most of Naked Wines consumers, they want wine with personality, with great flavors, great balance, but it also has to be a wine that's ready to consume in the, in the, in the very near future. So that definitely dictates how, how we pick the grapes, the level of ripeness, how we produce the wines, how we ferment the wines. Um, that's from a tiny little vineyard in the heart of um, Sonoma Valley in Sonoma County. Um, and I, the owner is just, and that's one of my favorite things, obviously. I think a lot of winemakers is connecting with the grape growers. And um, yeah. and really, I just, I love that site. It's so special. He has about four different clones of Tempranillo. And it's about, I think in 2021 was less than 100 cases. This one will be about, this year will be about 150. So it's a small vineyard. Um, and it's just a wine that gives me a lot of a lot of pre- pleasure to, to make. And that's a cool thing with, with naked wines, right? You find a vineyard, say, hey, I found this great vineyard. It's a small project, but I think it'll do really well. And I'd say 90% of the time they will agree with, with our crazy ideas and, and, and support these endeavors. Um, even if it's a small project like the like the Kofi Hill Tempranillo. And well, you nailed it when you said that you oh, wanted to get you. one that was young and and had a lot of character. This does. It's I'm really impressed. Uh, so uh, you, you brought up so many questions when you were talking about that. You say you have you you clear it with naked wines, or you go uh, if you want to do it from. I'm I'm lost on how this works. Uh, so basically, we 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 pitch the projects, right? So a lot of times mm-hmm. they say, "Hey, we have a vineyard. Can you do? Are you that is available? That another winemaker, for instance, doesn't want to work with you? Are you interested?" That was mostly in the beginning. And 2012 was the first vintage they came to 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 the U.S. because they existed first and foremost in England in the U.K. That's where the company was founded. Oh, really? And it came oh. to the United States. Yes, it was it was a UK concept, and they supported winemakers from all all over the world from the get go. Not a lot from California, mostly I'd say from Europe, um, and some in the New World, mostly um, Australia and South Africa. Um, and then when they came to California, obviously a, a wide array. And I think people were very suspicious of the concept when it appeared in in this kind of too good to be truth. <laughs> yeah, right. But I was familiar with it because I was at a symposium and ran into um, the, the founder, Rowan Gromley, was one of the, the speakers. And so I was very familiar with the concept. When I came to the U.S., I kind of jumped at the opportunity. So in the beginning, it was more than saying, hey, we have these vineyards. Are you interested? It would be like yes or no. And as the, the time went by, then I was given more of that freedom of saying, hey, I found this great sourcing. For instance, I make um, a Tempranillo and a Torrigan Nacional vineyard in Amador mm. County that I found through a friend. 
I found the Covey Hill Vineyard. I make also some, I make a high altitude um, Cabernet from a vineyard up in Cloverdale Peak in Mendocino County. Oh. In Calif- all these from California and other ones from Alexander Valley. And these are vineyards that I found throughout the years. Um, and sometimes we hear yes, sometimes we hear no. The wine from Portugal was kind of like that after a trip to Portugal. I spent about a month and really reconnecting with friends in the industry. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, on the plane back, I just had this epiphany. I said, you know, in my mind, I said, I want to make wine in Portugal again. And so I started making a plan and found great partners to work with there. And um, I pitched the idea and they said, that's a great idea. Let's do it. So it's a bit, you know, you can pitch the idea. It doesn't mean necessarily will happen, but they're definitely very, very open um, if, if it's something that makes sense within the business model and more than that within each brand, right? Because each brand has a story to tell. I, For mm-hmm. me, I make wines. Portuguese varieties or Iberian varieties in California. I make about three different Tempranillos in California. Wow. And now I'm trying to put that into um, also in Portugal, do, making a Tempranillo from Portugal. I will release an old vine Tempranillo next year. Oh, wow. uh, I made some aromatic white, some rosé. So, um, But I want that to have some personality too. I just don't want to say, oh, I'm making these you know, wines from Portugal that have no... You know, they're just random or generic. I want that personality from the wines in California to also translate into the wines in, in, in made in Portugal. Mm, yeah, well, it sounds like, you know, <laughs> well, uh, tasting this one now, you've got yourself a good basis for what you're doing. These are great. Oh, uh, thank you. The, the Naked Wines, they are still headquartered in England then? Well, the, the initially they were in England, and now there's an office in England, office in, in Napa in, in the United States, an oh. office in Denver, and oh, then wow. um, they they started about five years ago, six years ago in Australia also. So oh. now the company exists in all in all those three countries. I actually think the headquarters are still yes, the headquarters I believe are still in the UK. Yeah. So when you say you clear with them, you contact them. It's just a local thing, or is it? Uh... No, I mean we make we have a winery. So Naked Wines has a winery in Kenwood in Sonoma Valley. Uh, oh, we do call they? it the Naked Wine Studio. Mm-hmm. We make a lot of, the, not all the winemakers make their wines there, but the ones of us who are located here produce our wines there. There's a director of of winemaking who we clear with. There are production planners, and we're always in contact. Always, you know. Will come probably January. It'll be time to plan. What am I making next year? And then we sit down and talk. Look at volume, what worked, what didn't work. So the wines, the angels or the angel investors, as we call them, they rate every wine online. So if you go to the website, you see that wines are rated from a zero, a zero to one hundred scale, and they they leave reviews which we reply to. So that's a really cool part. On one end, you have the feedback positive and negative from the angels, but there's also that direct interaction with the winemakers, which is not usual. Um, and um, I think the angels quite enjoy that there's sometimes some banter and, you know, back and forth. We post things on the website um, and there's a lot of um, intervention from us on um, on having that feedback. And that also helps us to make better wines or to make wines that appeal to, to the angels because at the end of the day, they're the ones supporting our dreams to make these wines. So if we're making wines that are 
that, you know, they score low or they're not successful with the angels. There might be, you know, a conversation saying, well, maybe we should review this. Maybe we should, you know, increase your production here and not there. So there's definitely a very open discussion, but, um, you know, as a winemaker, you know how it is, right? I mean, often we go to a vineyard, we see something or I don't know. We just, I'm, sometimes I'm driving around and just have this crazy, stupid idea like, oh, my God, this would be so fun. And then you tell them, and sometimes they'll be like, uh, no, thank you. And other times they love the idea, and they say, yes, let's, let's try it out. And so and that, 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 that's having that feedback, but also there's a lot of creativity that goes into it. And I think the, the company fosters that creativity within the independent winemakers. Uh, there's a lot of single vineyard wines, and, and so it's really, really interesting. And, um, and there's never a boring, a boring moment, let's say, like that. I also understand that Nectar Wine really promotes women winemakers. I think that's a great idea there because there are not a whole lot of women winemakers in the world. It's, no, uh, no, 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 no. Especially as ed winemakers or leading winemakers, I think it's about less than 10%. Um, wow. And in Naked Wines, I think it's about 35% of winemakers are, are, are women. So wow. um, there's really a, a great a great um, work into 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 supporting um, female women winemakers. Yeah, which I like to say. I like to say winemaker only. It's one of my pet peeves. <laughs> because I feel like, you know, like be, to be called a woman winemaker, that's discriminatory in itself. But I think in we're itself, not there yet. Right. We still, we still, we still, we still need to say it. I think we. I think once that parity and that equality is more um more sustained we can bypass that but unfortunately we're not we're not there yet but it gives me a, 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 a lot of pleasure to work in a company where um there is a lot of support um for for women winemakers and and that recognition and they've recognized that disparity and they you know made a conscious effort to 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 support women winemakers and i think that's fantastic I do too, and there's a, quite a few women that are in other aspects of the business. I've interviewed quite a few women over the years that are not the winemakers, but are in all sorts of other fields. But it just seems like that one level there to be a winemaker is, for some reason, hard. Yeah, to, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Anything which is the president of a winery, GM, director of winemaker, head winemaker. Those seem to be where that those leadership positions are where I think it's lacking a bit. It's improving quite a lot, but there's still definitely a, a, a there's still a gap. We're still yeah. we, we'll keep fighting the good fight. <laughs> yeah, and that's it. And, you know, and if this is uh, winemaking has been a good boy uh, concept for so long, and it's uh, hard to break out of that. But it's it's yeah. happening, so that's that's a good thing. Yeah, it's happening little by little. Now, uh, your wines and, and the ones that you make and the grapes, what, where do you source your grapes? Well, you just have different vineyards that you find and you keep them, keep using those year after year, or do you find new ones, or what do you uh, look at? A combination. So, for instance, I do these wines from Amador County, and I've been doing those since 2013. So this, I still make the wines from there, and that's a really long-term relationship with with that vineyard um, that I absolutely love. Um, I, I have another vineyard that, for instance, this one in Cloverdale in Mendocino, I've made it on and off for the past 10 years. I stopped and I went back. It just 
this love affair. Um, and then there's a vineyard. I just started my first vintage was 2021 uh, called Ramazzotti Vineyards. They're a, a, a producer in California and they have their own vineyards. And I've worked with them at Artessa for many years. And when the opportunity came to buy that they had Cabernet for sale, I just knew I really wanted to work with them for my own label. So it happens a little bit like that. And I'm really looking forward now. Before it was hard for me, right, because um, I had a full-time job and this was kind of a, almost a side gig for me, like something that would give me a lot of joy, but it wasn't my, my sole focus. Now that I've decided it's my sole focus, I'm very eager to, to expand and go to other AVAs. Um, but I really, my, my pitch is to do a lot of um, Iberian varieties. So that, those varieties are mainly found you know, in the Sierra Foothills or El Dorado, Amador County, out of Napa and Sonoma, that unfortunately we're going through what I call the cabernalization, right? All these vines mm. are being ripped and it's cabernet yeah. everywhere. So, and I love cabernet. I make cabernet too, don't get me wrong, but I think there's so much character. Sonoma County is not as much as Napa, I feel. Um, there's still a lot of respect and there's still a lot of, you know, we have those beautiful old vines in Fendel, some of them, you know, over a hundred years old that are very right. preserved and very loved here. Um, but I think that sourcing and scouting of grapes, I went to a couple of, visit a couple of vineyards this year and put myself on the wait list for grapes there, um, at Shake Ridge and, 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 in um in the foothills and so that that's that hunt for the perfect vineyard it's kind of it's a driving factor for me a kind of a driving motor um and a, a lot of times not just the vineyard itself but how the site obviously is super important but the relationship with the grower is as important right um a grower that respects you that you know is not always trying to make to make a buck out of you that respect maybe you could make more money having a contract with a different person each year but he likes also that partnership and respects table and what each one of us gives gives the other um and so i'm looking a lot for that that, that partnership with with a grower is is something number one is obviously the site but I, i'm looking also for that relationship Oh, that's so important to have that relationship with your grower. Oh, it's, sure. Uh, oh, absolutely. It, you know, you know what he's doing to your grapes, and if you want something a little different, if you have that relationship, he'll be happy to do it for you and all that. It, it really is an important and thing. And support each other. You know, in California, we've been through a lot with the fires and drought. It's just been <laughs> it's been a, a the, few – these the last rain. six years have been very complicated, and – there's just been a, when you have that relationship, you can support each other. It's, yeah, if you try a little bit, each part gives in gives in a bit, and it's I've really found in these last few years that, you know, I didn't always knew if this approach was the best one, but now I've, I've I know it is from from my experience in the last few years with all the issues and challenges we've had. No, oh, it's just unbelievable what the growers have went through there in California. It's amazing yeah, it's been that. Been a lot. Yeah, amazing that I didn't just pack it up and leave. <laughs> yeah, the perseverance is fantastic. I agree. Yeah, uh, you uh, okay? You you source your grapes from different vineyards, all that. How many wines do you make right now? How many different varieties? Oh gosh, so I make three, four, seven, eight, nine, ten different wines. Ten. Wow. Ten, yes, ten different different wines. 
I've produced but, about 10 different lines for naked lines. But and they range from a hundred cases to uh, about three thirty-five hundred cases. But you say you so made they, they, three different tempranillos. So is that part of your ten and stuff like that? I actually make four. I make two different ones in three in California because I make um, so the Amador County wines is what I call my the trio. So I do from the same vineyard. I do a Trigonus you know. I do a Tempranillo, and then I do a 50-50 blend of the two. And initially, the wine was just the 50-50 blend, and then that was like, there's a good story. That was one of my fights with Naked, and after two or three years of pitching and pitching, I think they were so sick of listening to me, they finally said, you know, they were beaten (laughs) by exhaustion. And they finally said yes, um, because I really wanted to bottle the varietals independently. So we we are already making the Triga Tempranillo blend, but I said it would be really fun to bottle them on their own so the angels could see what each variety brings to the blend. And I finally convinced them, and it's by far my most successful three wines. They sell out very fast, and they always have a very high rate of, of acceptance, and angels are very passionate about which one of the three wines they like the most. Um, and then I do the Covihil that you tried, and I'm making two other Tempranillos in, in Portugal. And then I make a port out of Portuguese varieties from that same vineyard in, in Amador. Um, mm. And then three different Cabernets here in, um, in Sonoma County and, and um, Mendocino County. And these uh, are all, for the most, they're all single vineyard. They're not all bottled as single vineyard wines but they're all from one specific site. And I really like that. Um, uh, I guess I don't, the one I mix is, I have a red blend from Portugal that comes from different sites. But other than that, all these other wines, even the wines from Portugal come from one vineyard only. And I really feel that I'm telling a story through a wine of this particular, of this specific place in a determinate place in time. So this each each vintage tells a story, and um, that was one of my goals was to make these wines from one site only, which could be very positive or very negative. If it's a bad vintage, you have no way to hide it <laughs> to make it go away. But um, it 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 gives me a lot of it just gives me a lot of joy, and I love the challenge that it too you know to my winemaking journey as a winemaker that you have to make the best wine possible because you have nowhere to hide it. Because that's, that's it. True. That's wine. That wine is what you're going to put in the bottle. Well, if you're making three different casts on the same site, how much uh, variation? No, they're from are different you? vineyards. They're from different vineyards. They're from one is from Alexander Valley, so warmer climate. Oh, okay. Another one is from is from Moon Mountain, which is an ABA oh. in the back of Sonoma, uh, Moon Valley District in the back of Sonoma Valley, and right. then the third one is a mountain site up in Cloverdale Peak. It's one of the highest AVAs. I think they sit in California. They sit about 2,200 feet of elevation. Wow. I actually just had to go there today to check on the grapes, and it's a trek to get up there. Uh, but it's just absolutely, feel like you're on top of the world with a view. Um, so there are three caps, but from very different sites throughout, in, within a radius of, I don't know, 50, 60 miles. They're very, very three distinct sites. Oh, I um, that I, that I make distinct. those cabernets for, yeah, mm-hmm. it tastes very different too. 
Yeah, it sounds like they would be quite different because of the elevation and all that. On the that that would be interesting. Uh, your your wine angels, uh, I, wine grapes are expensive. Do they participate in the purchase of that? Uh, how does that work? Do you purchase them? No, or we purchase everything. So we're, we're you do we're, okay. um, the 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 business does. So what they do is by paying into their angel savings, their wine savings account each month. They're they're paying. Obviously, they're putting money there to buy the wines, but that money pays for for our, our production expenses, pays for grapes, ah. pays for pays for the staff at the winery, the enological products at the winery. Uh, pays for barrels, pays for all all of those things. So that money is a direct investment into the. Basically, it's what we call it is crowdfunding for winemakers. I see. So they they are the winemakers investors, but they don't invest directly. And I mean, in a way, sometimes there's competitions in wines that they want to see on the side. But other than that, they they do that, and then us winemakers with you know the the. The director of winemaking and production and planning at Naked Wines. All together, we decide what what wines to make and what wines we feel will be successful within our within our our business model. And once the angels get so much in their account, they can purchase wine at that time. Yes, and and, and even if you don't have enough, you can put the rest on your card. But because you're an angel, when you go to the website, you'll see a, 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 a price of a wine. Let's say it's fifty dollars. And then you have what's called angel pricing, and that angel pricing can be 19.99, for instance, in that $50. So if you're not an angel, if you want to go today to the website and buy wine, you can, but you you pay the $50. If you're an angel, you have that discounted price of 19.99, and that's oh, okay. that's your gift for for supporting for supporting the business for being an angel, as we as as we call it. So it would benefit anyone who's interested in this to become an angel because it Absolutely. really pays off. The other off. thing is there's, there's no real risk. There's 100%, so there's an asshole-free money-back guarantee. So all you need to do is email or call and say, I really didn't like this wine, and the value for that bottle is put back into your account. Wow. Yeah, wow, so that's... it's 100% <laughs> guarantee at any time. So. It's great because you can really take a chance, right? A, a lot of times I have, you know, most of my wines are red. So I have white people who love white wines that give, decide to give a, a try to a red wine. Or sometimes people think they're buying a still wine but they're, or a, a dry wine, but they're buying my port and they don't like it. If anything like that happens, or even the style is just something that, you know, it doesn't fit your palate, you didn't enjoy it, you, it's 100% um, return guarantee on, on, on your purchase. So... I mean, you, that's a that's a win-win in that sense, right? Because there's fantastic. no real risk. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there you go, listeners. Naked wines. What a deal! <laughs> and this, you get this Tempranillo here that I'm enjoying tonight. This is fantastic. Every as you're talking, I'm sipping, and I just I uh, really enjoy it. Uh, the um, Okay, so you you mentioned barrels. You do you have a facility yourself, or is it a community facility that you all use it's a community facility i wouldn't call it a custom crush because it's exclusively for naked wines winemakers but it's kind of a we call it the naked wine studio so there's about 10 of us i believe maybe more that make wine there uh, our barrels are stored there they're fermented they're aged there so um 
we have control over the wines throughout the whole process. The wines are bottled there, and then from there, then they're shipped to the Naked Wines warehouses for distribution. But, um, mm. yeah, we have 100% control of the whole winemaking, winemaking process, and it's actually quite fun. Like now during harvest sometimes, you know, there's two, three of us walking in and out of the winery, and sometimes we taste, you know, if we have the time, taste each other's tanks and kind of, mm. um, so there's great camaraderie and um, it's it's one of the really fun things of, of, of the model is um, how many winemakers are supported by the business and, um, you know, after 10 years of working with them, you, you really build great um, relationships and friendships with, within the winemakers. Oh, I am sure, yes. Um, yeah. So what you, uh, back to your winemaking then, I'm, I'm beating around it on the questions. Do you use, uh, say, your Cabernets or even Tempranillo and all these, do you use oak barrels? Or do you use French, American? Uh, um, how long? French. I use 100% French. Um, they vary a bit, but usually they spent, they, they spent about 16, 15 to 16 months in barrel. Mm. I use um, all French oak, and I use rough, I don't use anything more. It goes between 20 and 25% new oak. Um, I really love, and some of them, um, I think the Coville is a little less because it could be a bigger wine. Um, and so sometimes I use only about 10, 15% new oak. And then I use a few, you know, one and two year old barrels, um, to replace that, that, that new oak. Um, but it's, it's great. And I mean, it would be impossible on my own to make these wines because, you know, the barrel investment alone, as you know, could be be quite steep. Yeah. 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 Um, it could be, <laughs> it, yeah, could be a, it could be an absolute challenge staggering um, staggering the cost yes, of, of yes, new French yes, barrel insane yes. insane yeah it is. i actually was for the first time i went to see the the forest this year in france oh, with did one you? of the coopers yeah i never been and it's you actually i actually now understand why barrels of french oak barrels are so the cost and what goes into making them and the forests themselves. And it's, it's quite, it's quite fascinating, but yeah, we're very lucky that we have that support, but I'm very specific. I know there's a lot of winemakers using um, American Oak. There's a few wines now that came out in, um, in bourbon barrels. It's a new thing. And a lot of angels, I, I see a big, a big, big, um, push on those, on those style of wines. But for me, um, and I like to mix, Coopers, I really feel barrel is is a, a bit of our spice, right? Right, part of our spice rack. But um, I I really try not to overdo it with with new oak. Yeah, you, you can. It can be overpowering. I mean, it's yeah, uh, yeah. The oak can just take away from so much on a wine if you're not careful. Exactly. You want the fruit to be the star of the show, and the 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 oak to be there as the backup. You don't want Sometimes you feel the reverse, particularly in California wines. I feel like it's changing a lot. I feel especially the last four or five years, there's been definitely a pushback, but you still have those very, you know, oaky, oak-driven wines. That That's definitely something I want to, to go away from. Yeah, well, that's good because, you know, well, like you say, California, I'm glad to see that they're backing away from what they have been from what I've tasted lately. But there was a period there, oh, in the, oh, Early 2000s up to about 2015, uh, it's just like everything was oak to the point where you couldn't detect anything else in the wine. It's just oak. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, it 
got it out of and hand. And that's not what thought. you want, right? You want it's no. nice to have that like at you at that lengthy finish, right? That you feel like that, you know, in, in like that retro palette that you have that oak, but you want the fruit to be at the forefront of everything. That should yes. always be the dominating feature of, of, of a wine. Um, particularly with Chardonnay, I feel that's been a big, big shift in California yeah. wines, uh, which I'm very happy to see. I love Chardonnay, and I think California is great, particularly working in Carneros, that, that cooler area of, of, of Napa. Um, they're just beautiful vineyards. You can make just such stellar Chardonnays. And they could be barrel fermented, but, um, you know, Burgundy is one of my favorite. <laughs> a, nice, a, a nice white Burgundy is, is, is a favorite of mine. So um, obviously we can't have that achievement, to you know, when people say, oh, I make a Burgundian wine. Well, we are in California. We have heat. We have other things. But you could yeah. still have that restraint in your wine, and I think that's what people are trying to to pursue to pursue more um and then you also see alternative um varietals as a big doing a big comeback and um yeah i hope more and more um particularly like i said earlier in napa um that you know growers have the good sense not to rip apart these 100 year old vineyards or 60 year old vines to to plant cabernet to exhaustion cuz i think and, eventually and- we will pay the price yeah, and that's what's happening too. It's just Cabernet is becoming well. It's so expensive, and yeah. they can sell a bottle of Cabernet Sauvignon for a hundred and twenty dollars, and so they say, well, why don't I just put this ten acres out here in Cabernet because I can make so much more money off uh, of doing uh, that? Absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, but that's the, the driving force. Yeah, it's money, and, and that's what it all boils down to. But there's so many other fantastic varietals out there that would be better well served, I think, if they just pursued it. But they just, you know, yeah. it's become Napa Cabernet is really what it's boiled yeah. down to. It, 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 I think eventually we'll have to shift. And if it doesn't, um, the growers will pay, wineries will pay. There will be a price, a price to play. Maybe it's not now. Maybe it's down the line. But eventually it, this will. I feel this will come back to haunt us a little bit. I think so. You're you're absolutely right. Because <laughs> people will be become jaded on the cabernets. I mean, they'll be looking for other stuff, and there's especially these younger generations. They're first yes. ones to tell you, "Oh, my dad, my mom and dad drink, drink cabernet. I'm not drinking that." <laughs> and, and that's just what happens. More unknown new varieties. Yeah, absolutely. And they're looking for new varieties. They're looking for fruitier styles and cabernets. Yes. Uh, it can be fruity, but most wineries don't make it in the fruity style. And no, no, no. It, it's very, it, you know, and it's yeah, just, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, but you're right. It's just, I think the prices, they're going to pay the price in in a few years here, and then they're going to go, oh, why did we put all this Cabernet in? You know, you know, so. <laughs> who decided that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who has that fault? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. So uh, I have a little card here and I was reading before the show but I noticed that uh, you won a number of awards uh, these American awards are are they Portuguese or are they Sonoma what I've uh, won a few for, for Naked Wines I got a um, a gold medal for the Decanter Magazine last year for the wow. Trigana Funal that was very exciting that was the first time an Amador County wine got a gold medal with wow. the Decanter Wine Awards, that was very exciting. 
Um, then the Amador County Tempranillo got voted among the top 100 wines from wine enthusiasts last year. Wow. It's rated as 27. That was awesome. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. So that's and the cool thing is, I mean, I've got different accolades with 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 Artesa and 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 the winery I worked before, but these accolades with Naked Wines are are very very exciting. And then I was very fortunate last year I got nominated for Winemaker of the Year with Wine Enthusiast Awards, and that was wow. it was very flattering. And it was just I was among very very talented winemakers, and um, it just felt really good to get you know that rec- you know the recognition for the hard work that we all put in. But as I always say, that I get the recognition, but I can only get recognized because I had such an amazing you know, kick butt crew <laughs> working oh. working real, real hard too. It's hard for us winemakers to shine when we have an amazing crew right behind yeah. us and supporting us and you know, when I have these mad things I wanna make and they would always support my, my crazy dreams and say, Okay, let's do it so um yeah, it's been last year's particular last couple of years have been really, really exciting. A lot of nice recognition for, 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 for the wines I make, yeah. That's great. That is really fantastic. Uh, uh, congratulations. Uh, maybe thank you. Thank delayed you. Yeah. a little bit, but congratulations on uh, on the awards and the recognition. That is yeah, something great. to be qu- quite proud of. Uh, Mike, do you have any questions for Anna before? Uh... I don't. I was thinking of one before the show that I was going to ask about. I, I was looking on the uh, website. And there was a, uh, and I don't know if this is something prevalent in the industry as a whole or, or what, but there was a, oh, what was it? It was, um, God, this was like two hours ago, but short-term memory, is that bad? <laughs> it, was, um, it was a statement uh, dealing with anti-slavery. Is that? Yes. Do you know anything Yes, about- yes. Yes. So we all had to, um, it's, it was a very important thing within the company that um, we all, all the winemakers had to actually talk to, to the vineyards and to ensure and uh, winemakers that make wines at different places um, that there, that there was no, um, that they were sure that there was no slavery or, um, exploitation wow. of, 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 in our case, I think a lot of it has to do with vineyard workers in the vineyards that, that we work with and in the wineries that we, we worked with. And it is a great thing about Naked Wines. There's an incredible um, social conscious behind the company. They just created, um, Macario Montoya is, uh, is one of the winemakers. He just created a scholarship for Latino to um, thrive within the industry for opportunity mm-hmm. for scholarships. They work with the Roots Fund on a lot of um, different scholarships too. Uh, when we had our fires here, our very big fires in Sonoma County in 2017, they were able to raise over a million dollars to help a school um, wow. that works with, with um uh, children with uh, development delays, and they were able to to to, to raise a million dollars. They had a COVID fund during COVID for small wineries within Sonoma County, uh, within California, not just Sonoma County, that were struggling because they couldn't sell. You know, small wineries are mainly DTC, and they sold their wines to the website with 100% of the money going to them. So there's a lot of social conscious within the business, which is obviously 
very, very, very rewarding um, for, for, for me and I'm sure for, for most of the, all the winemakers to, to work in a business that is so, you know, not self-centered. And, you know, it's, hard, it's easy to, to do, you know, a bit of whitewash and, and just not really follow what you say, but Naked Wines, it's, 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 it's very rewarding to see that they really walk the, uh, walk the talk, as, 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 as saying. And, um, yeah. So it's 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 been a project that it took about two years to to for to the the anti-slavery, but they were able to within um within the the the, the company and within all the winemakers guarantee that um there was no no dubious um, issues within the the vineyards and wineries we worked with. Fantastic. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. What was that? Uh, I yeah read about it. Thank you. Absolutely. The uh, your labels. Did you design those? Where did where did your design? Yeah, so they're, those are they're <laughs> they're Portuguese tiles. They're called azulejos, and uh, they're very traditional. Um, Portuguese was um, the more Moorish culture is very intertwined in, in in our Portuguese culture, and so they're different. Each label is a different tile, and mm. some are tiles from my mother, my mom, and my grandmother were born in. Um, a very old neighborhood, traditional neighborhood in Lisbon. So one of my labels, for instance, is a label is a tile from a church where my in the neighborhood where my mom and grandmother were born. Um, others are just some that I'm walking in Lisbon or somewhere in Portugal, and I photograph the tile and I really love it, and then I <laughs> I use it for a, for a label. <laughs> yeah. So each one of them is a traditional Portuguese tile. Oh, okay. That's that's interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, what does your husband do? Is he involved with your wine? He works wine in the wine. Is he works in? Is is a is a cellar master at a small winery in Sonoma County called Skipstone. Um, mm-hmm. So it's very challenging. We have two young young boys. Um, so harvest for us is it's quite <laughs> it's quite a challenge <laughs> when you have when you have children and both of you work in production you can imagine the 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 challenges that that come that come with it we rely a lot on family babysitters and oh i can <laughs> and imagine to, to make it happen but it's great because at the same time you have a partner that really understands what you do um and we really work as a team he's incredibly supportive of everything that i do and he's, he's absolutely amazing yeah yeah Busy, uh has she always been involved with, uh, in the wine business? Not not always, but when we met, he was already involved in it. He, he moved away, he lived in Southern California, and then he moved back to Sonoma County and decided to, you know, did a harvest. And like many of us, you just you do a harvest and you you just hooked up. You're hooked. Yeah, like, I know. It's like yeah, a drug. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it really is. More, and then you want to keep doing it. Like, wow, this yeah. is fun. So oh, that's fun. kind of like when he came back, he started and, <laughs> and never stopped working in it. Exactly. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I know you do. You get you get hooked, and or you just actually you do a bottling with you know you, you get hooked up in a bottling line and you get hooked there. Or you, you know it just there's so many easy ways to get hooked in the in the Absolutely. whole production thing. Yeah, <laughs> I think amazing. harvest is really where it's born. I feel right because it's there's yes. the fast pace. There's so much camaraderie within the team, and um, for me, it was harvest. The first harvest I worked, I said, "Oh my God, I want to do this for the rest of my life." And I feel and like when I have people, 
it's not when I have, you know, you always have a lot of people who want to do career changes or a young woman or a man who comes to me and says, oh, I really want to be a winemaker. What do I do? And I always say, the first thing you do is you work a harvest because yeah. you got to love it. You, you love it or you will be part of the next 30 years of your life. You'll have no fall, no summer. This is your life. So if you don't like it, then you'll know that this is not the right job for you. But you will know your first harvest. You never, no one is different. You love it or you hate it. And that's so true. So that's that always is my advice. So true. <laughs> and that really, that's great advice because if you, yeah, that harvest, it's hard work. And I mean, it's just, it people, is, oh, harvest, it it's hard work. And uh, it is but very hard. When, it's a marathon, right? Not a sprint. It's a it's long, exactly, hard work. Yeah. Long, hard work. And it spreads out over a couple of months, usually. And you just, and you, you just don't get up at, you know, nine and, Go home at six. I mean, you just yeah. you're up at dawn and you go home at you know eleven, twelve o'clock at night. The next day, yeah, I know it's just, You never know when. You never know when. But boy, I'll tell you, when the whole thing's done and you kick back and everybody's sitting around having a beer and a slice of pizza and you're going, wow, that was great. Yeah. Let's do it again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah. A, it's a great feeling. That's but I always tell people, you know, that's that that's the first thing. The the number one step is to do that. And travel, do it in other places and, and, and see how you like it. And if you love it, then you're in the right path. And if it's, it's not for you, then you know that this is not, this should not be your business. Yeah, that's, that's and, so And there's true. other ways of working in the, in the industry, right? You can work in marketing in, in different parts, right? If, if, if wine industry is your passion, it doesn't have to be in production. But I think there's still the great allure and romanticism around being a winemaker, um, yeah. which sometimes I'm surprised why <laughs> it's really hard work and, you know, um, but it's also really fun. You know, if, if someone asks, what do you do for a living? Oh, I make wine for a living. It's like, yeah. damn, I mean, that's, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> that is really, yeah. I know. I, I had a winery and I, I made wine. To, and people say, you know, what do you do? I make wine. Oh, no, really? I do too. And I go, no, yeah, no. Yeah. I no not a carboy in my closet. <laughs> I just, I, yeah, I, I really make wine. <laughs> I really make wine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know. And if you go, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a cool thing. Anna, thank you so much for taking the time and talk with us tonight. Very informative. Uh, everybody out there needs to get on the website, nakedwines.com, and become an angel because it's uh, a great concept and a great way to get some great wines. And once you do get on there, get yourself a bottle of her Tempranillo from Colby Hill Vineyard, Sonoma Valley. This is the 2021 Vintages. This is fantastic. I said it before. I will say it again. You did an excellent job on this wine. And if all of your other wines are anything like this, I can see why you're getting so many accolades. So, Oh, thank you so much, Ron. I really appreciate you both, and thank you for having me. No, it was definitely our pleasure. Thank you. Before you go, give us contact information for uh, Naked Wines and for uh, Anna Diago Draper Winery uh, Wines. So sure. People can get so um, can go to nakedwines.com. So you just go to the standard website, and then you can search for wines. You can search for winemakers. You can search for countries. You can search for wine styles. There's a lot of different ways to go about. 
And for me, you can find me at Anna Diogo Draper, um, either on the website or on Instagram. And um, I'm not on Facebook. My Facebook is having issues. So right now, only on Instagram at Anna Diogo Draper Wine. Very good. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. For time. Thank you so Best much. Best of luck to you. And uh, uh, sometime in the future, maybe we can talk again. And if I'm ever in California. I'd love to. I would definitely oh, come Oh, please let me know. Yes, yes. I'd love to host yeah. you here. Absolutely. It was a pleasure. Right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good Thank evening you. now. You too. Bye-bye, you. you guys. Bye. Thank you. Bye. 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 Thanks. That was interesting. Naked wines. I've heard of naked wines before, but I never realized the full concept behind it. That is really, really an interesting concept. That's absolutely mm-hmm. great. So... Uh, like I said, people out there who are looking at bypassing the middleman and saving themselves some money, and that's one of the great concepts about all this, is the the three-tier system is something that's been a thorn in the side of, well, not just wineries, everybody from since, since they repelled prohibition and set up the three-tier system it has been a thorn in everybody's side so this is a first step on getting rid of that that's that's good that's great to hear so you know direct to consumer this is what a lot of people are trying to do so okay um oh i wanted to say something too uh about all about wine and about our show we are live. We are one of the few shows. In fact, I think maybe about the only one that is actually live. What you hear from us is what you hear from us. We don't edit. We don't spend a couple of three hours after the show tearing it apart and putting it back together so it sounds nice and pretty and everything. This is the show. Mm-hmm. I mean, as is was obvious when we started this one, we had tro- troubles with <laughs> Anna getting, getting her so we can hear. <clears throat> so, uh, we just, I just wanted to point out that this was, we appreciate everyone out there who listens to us. And if you listen to us live, fantastic. We appreciate that. If you listen to us on archives, it's the same thing you hear when we're live. We don't go back in on archives and edit stuff and rearrange it and try to make it a a pretty show. This is what you get. And we do appreciate all the listeners out there and everyone that uh, has been following us for for years and years. Yes. Thank you, bus people. Um, yeah. So I, I just I was thinking about that the other day, and uh, I was looking at some uh, some blogs out there and all that. And most all the blogs I looked at are edited, and so I thought, wow, we're we're a rare breed out here still that we're going yeah. live. And it's been live since uh, I, th- I think we did one or two recorded shows because of the time difference. Um, yeah. I remember, wasn't there like Australia? There was the uh, the drifting winemaker. I think uh, it was right uh, for one in maybe it was Italy. I think uh, that that um, the duo from uh, Alma, Italy. I think it was. Yeah, I, I think time. you're right. 
or something but a couple of record but it's not recorded in a sense of oh let's take out all of the the pauses let's take out the you know the phone issues or, or anything like that it's it's even though we have recorded you know maybe three shows tops in the past 13 14 years we recorded it live without any editing or you know you know making it look uh, you know sound good uh type and of we thing. just stuck no, it on there no correct yeah. Yeah, it was like this is this is the way we recorded it live, and this is what you're getting. <laughs> it's like you know, uh, take it take it that way. So, uh, yeah, it's very good. Um, and it's been like that since 2009. So yeah, since we started, uh, we've been we've been going live. All of our shows been going live, and uh, yeah. yeah, I've hmm. been asked whenever I book guests, hmm. they uh, the, the guests themselves or the uh, people who book the guests ask, you know, is when are we recording this show and is there anything? I said, no, we don't record. We just do it live. We get on there. We just talk with people. It's just a conversation. And we've never had really real issues. People have always been very open and interesting. And Mm -hmm. we've had some great guests over the years. Why were, you know, I mean, it's never been anything we've said, oh, no, we need to edit this or we need to not air this. It's Everything has been right. uh, it's fantastic. So yeah, I just I was thinking about that the other day. A few of the uh, guests, or not the guests, but the uh, listener callers, that's kind of <laughs> that's <laughs> there was a time issue. I think I, I removed something. Uh, I did re-upload or re, re- re-edit that, that episode, but just to get their stupid comment off of there. And that, unfortunately, ruined it for anybody else who wanted to call afterwards. Cause, uh, it has, um, yeah. yeah. So uh, kind of saw what uh, what they wanted to do on the air, and it got to be too many of them. And it's like, eh, we, I guess we have to close the, uh, the line down. So, um, oh, Chef right. Rob. I don't know why we just – Chef Rob just uh, jumped in on the uh, chat room on Blog Talk Radio. Thank you for tuning in. Oh. Tuning in, joining us there, and um, but we're at the end of the show. Unfortunately, it is. Um, let me see which which clock eight, I want to look at. Almost eight ten, eight oh nine, eight almost oh, eight ten. It is. It is eight oh four on my second monitor. Uh, so why? <laughs> You're five minutes off. Oh gosh. I sure am. Yeah, it is. It was. It was thirty minutes off, about the half hour, and then. Uh, <laughs> Catch yeah, up. and then he caught back up. Ran a marathon yeah. and it was on time for a bit. Now it's backing off again. So. Now it's eight ten. We have a guest next yeah. week, though. Y'all can tune in next week. Our guest next week is um, uh, John. Uh, John. Yeah, from yeah. Australian wines. He's uh, talking about Australian wines and stuff. That should be interesting too. Australian wines are always very popular, and so hmm. he will yeah. be our guest next week. Now is he so, is he is he in Australia or is he in is he in the U.S. or someplace yeah, around? I, I think he's in the U.S. I don't have the thing pulled up in front of me right here now. Well, uh, I just wonder. Uh, let know, me see if if I can find Australia's it. Like, uh, what's Australia time now? It's like three days from now, isn't it? Aren't they like three days ahead of us? I forgot how that yeah. works. Yeah, they're, they they <laughs> cross the international dateline and then they bounce back and then yeah. they. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's a strange time difference. We did talk to someone in Australia, though. We did. Uh, live, yeah. You know? So, uh, I can see 
Oh, in Perth, up. Australia. Perth, Australia right now. It's Friday, 8, 11 a.m. Oh, so oh, like, they're 12 hours ahead of us. Yeah, That's not so bad. We don't, so we don't have to worry <laughs> yeah. about, uh, you know, middle It'll of the be, night type thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like we did with the – we were trying to negotiate the time from uh, from the couple from Italy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that was that was an issue there. We okay, let's see, we can do this. Same thing with we talked to people from England, and we had connection problems, and we never did get back with them. But uh, we talked to people from England, and we had to do a uh, Sunday morning on our time right. to get something decent on them because of the time change. And uh, uh, the drifting winemaker was in Bali, I think. Bali, uh, yeah. Yeah, I remember him. He, I remember him saying uh, the drifting winemaker from Bali. Yeah. Um, and that Just is, arrived uh, that morning. Yeah. Let's see what Bali time. Oh, see, that's not bad either. Bali, Indonesia, Indonesia is 8, 12 a.m. in Bali. Wait a minute. Oh, that's that doesn't make sense. That's 12 hours. 12 hours even. Yeah, it's just like Australia. What am I missing? Yeah. Am I, I am geographically incompetent right now. Yeah, right. I can't. Oh. Uh, Chef Rob decided to leave the chat room, so sorry about that. Um, all right, it is uh, 8.06 on this clock and 8.12 on the other one. I uh, guess we will clo- close the show now unless you have any oh, last Oh, here we uh, go. Don't forget- I, just, I just found it. Next week uh, is uh, Jonathan Ross who discussed their new book uh, that he wrote with James uh, Loops. Uh, they are sommeliers, and their book is How to Drink Australian Wine, an Essential Modern Wine Book. So that was published just September the 12th. So that book's only been out like a month. <clears throat> but they're going to uh, – why there's no better time than to drink Australian wine, fascinating insights into the industry, growing conditions, and all that. Three reasons why Australia's regions rival the world's top regions and other points. So, you know, should be an interesting show next week. We're going to be talking about Australian, not Austria, but Australian, the continent mm-hmm. down under uh, yeah. uh, next week. So that should be interesting. Very cool. Uh, uh, yeah. The, uh, the 19th, mark your calendars now. October the 19th. You can join us live or, you know, if you normally tune in on the archives, we appreciate that as well. And, yes. um, yeah, we'll talk to you all next week. Thanks again. Talk to you next week. Be Thanks safe. for listening. Yeah. Be safe out Thank there. You. We'll be Oh, out and here. don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, Flightline Radio. Oh. Oh, That's, you know, streaming all the time, flightrunradio.com, streaming all the time. And Mike is live Saturday mornings from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Way early. Way early. Way early. Way too early for me to listen. I listen to Flightline Radio, just let it stream in my ears all the time. But listening to Mike live, way too early. Yesterday, yesterday uh, was the um, the encore, the replay of uh, first and fifteenth with uh, Phil Carut and um, and Cap. It's on Monday mornings at seven a.m. and then Wednesday at uh, seven p.m. I, I should put that on one day. It's too too hard to remember. But anyway, I listened to the whole show yesterday and I was laughing so so hard, oh, especially when they mentioned 
they mention Flatline. They go, do you think he edits this show? And he, <laughs> and he says, uh, worldwide, aren't we? We're worldwide. And, he goes, and Phil goes, well, yeah, I'm pretty sure we're worldwide. Well, does he does he does he translate this into under other languages? And Phil goes, <laughs> I think he does. And I'm sitting here going, no. <laughs> the more they talk, I was just yelling back, no, I don't put this no, in different languages. Yeah, It is a funny episode. So they they really are hilarious. Yeah, come down on the fifteenth and we replay it. Uh, you know, after after my system uh, grabs it. But uh, oh my gosh, it's it's it, just it funny really is. It's, it is. It's yeah. good comic relief. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. So, FightlineRadio.com. Yeah. Tune in Thank to you. it anytime and give it a listen. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, yep. We will talk to you here on All About Wine next Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Blog Talk Radio and every place. Have a good week. Thank we'll you. We'll see you next week. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archived shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine. That is it. Green room. Green room.